of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Eastern Time, and you know what that means. The virtual Green Dragon Tavern on the air is open for business. That's right. The neon signs are lit. The bar is, of course, open. Had to swallow my sip of Miller Lite that I have right here in the pint cans. I'm drinking the pint cans like a real man. Like a real man. We're going to be talking a lot about some interesting stuff tonight. Uh, An episode that I have wanted to do since this whole quote-unquote controversy broke loose and um, just haven't had the time. I have been absolutely swarmed between orders and um, orders in in terms of the web store, brushbeater.store, and getting getting the, the training site ready and doing improvements on stuff and just really, uh, you know, being balls to the wall on my end and haven't really had the time to get the podcast out there like I want to. Uh, but this, this Jason Aldean controversy, as you can see by the title uh, of this one, the Jason Aldean and the Trash Country Edition, man. Trash country edition, man. We're going to be talking about that, man. Um, We're going to be breaking down some of this stuff. And I think that uh, my take on this, as well as some of my cohort that will be uh, joining in, are going to have kind of a unique take on this whole thing. And maybe some things that you haven't necessarily heard. So in case you didn't know, in case you didn't know, uh, Jason Aldean, the little singer that could from Amarillo, Texas, um, the the man that has launched a thousand straw cowboy hats, um, got himself into a little bit of trouble here recently. Um, he launched a new single, and it was called "Try That in a Small Town," man. Try that mess in a small town. And, of course, it's being, you know, met by a bunch of pushback and, you know, I can hardly hold my contempt here. And it may not necessarily be the contempt that you think uh, from the angle that you think. So 
of course, there's a music video. There is, you know, the whole production that is put into this thing. The band playing in the background, man. He's wearing his black leather coat, man. He's got his jeans on from the courthouse, man. Hell yeah. You know, man, you ain't gonna try to mess here. Yeah, okay. Um, here's the deal. Um, first of all, I want to talk about some stuff and I, and, and this is some things that I was thinking about some ideas that were bumping around, you know, in my head, uh, Ranger 122, the comments, that sounds just like Jason Aldean's uncanny. Uh, that that's me imitating him whenever, and, and I've been doing this for years, by the way, years, years upon years. Um, and, and let me explain, let me explain some things. So, Longtime listeners of mine know that that I'm a big music fan uh, of all genres. I, I, I have been my entire life. I've been uh, very, very musical. I was uh, brought up in, in a household where we played a lot of music all the time. Every genre you can think of. I mean, I, I was brought up on, uh, you know, my mom was a huge Beatles fan. Almond Brothers fan, uh, Marshall Tucker Band fan. And so I heard all of that from my some of my earliest memories was hearing, um, you know, the, the, that sound. Um, and, and, and so hearing hearing these bands and, and from a very, very early age, you know, and um, riding around in the truck, my dad, one of my earliest memories uh, of, of music in general was sitting in the the, uh, the cab of a three-quarter ton Chevy, um, square body Chevy that we had for, for most of my childhood. Uh, and sitting in the front of that, we were getting up hay, and, I, you know, I was way too little to be getting up square bales. And so I'm sitting in the the, uh, seat of the truck right there in front of the radio. And if you've ever been in, you know, those old square body Chevys or, you know, uh, Fords or Dodges or whatever, you know, you've you've got that radio that's all dial controlled right there in the middle. And um, we were listening to the, the local country music station because that was the one that always came in the strongest. And uh, so we're sitting there and, and, you know, that's always playing in the background. And so this this was the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, Well, in particular, this this would have been the late 80s. This was probably uh, 1987, 1988 time frame specifically for this one. And um, I heard I'll never forget this. I'll never, ever forget this. I heard for the very first time, Charlie Daniels. The devil went down to Georgia and I had never heard anything like that. And we're talking about the silver era of country music here. You know, the golden era of country music, at least in my mind, uh, is the outlaw era of, you know, uh, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson and David Allen Coe and Chris Christopherson and, and, you know, all, all of the, the, the trademark sound of, of the outlaw era that really changed country music and, and changed music altogether, uh, all, all together. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to revisit that here in a bit, but, uh, listening to Charlie Daniels and, and hearing devil went down to Georgia and it didn't sound like anything else on the radio, nothing. 
And this was not a new song at that point. Uh, not a new song. A, you know, Devil Went Down to Georgia had been around for a while at that point. But local country music station was not, uh, at least at that time, was not one of the pre-formatted stations like clear channel stations that that would come out many years later where they got their radio format and they got their stuff that they were going to play and and it was all canned and the commercials were canned so on and so forth right they didn't have any of that and so i heard devil went down to georgia and it was man i'm hearing this just, just incredible musicianship and I will never forget the lyrics, ever, ever, ever. I mean, I don't think anybody ever could after you've heard that song. It stays with you. But I told you once, you son of a bitch, I'm the best it's ever been. And when you hear that, you know, fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. You're like, man, even as a little kid, I've never heard anything like this. This is incredible. This is incredible. And it wasn't like anything else. And it wasn't like anything else that would follow it either because there was a distinctive sound, right? This was back in the era where musicians had their signature sound, each each one of them. Nashville, two decades prior, had went through a phase where everything was very canned. Everything was very uh, bottlenecked. Everything was very cut and dry. They knew what would create a hit, and they knew where the boundaries were, and they knew exactly the message that they wanted to send, and they didn't deviate from it. And guys like Waylon Jennings got froze out. Guys like Willie Nelson got froze out. They didn't want them in Nashville. They didn't want them at all, right? Even guys like Buck Owens, they didn't like them either. And so Buck Owens and, of course, uh, Graham Parsons and, um, you know, a, a, a lot of the, the instrumental era of, of country music in the late 1960s, early 1970s came from the rock and roll scene. A lot of it came from the rock and roll scene. They created the Bakersfield sound, and it was something that was completely different. And that's why... Waylon Jennings was in his own film. He starred in his own film called The Nashville Rebel. And that was very much a uh, docudrama uh, and, and a predictor of what would come. This was, of course, pre-beard Waylon Jennings. And, and Waylon Jennings shook things up. The man was a legend, and he certainly, it, to, to steal a phrase from my late great-grandmother, he marched to his own drummer. He certainly did. He certainly did, and he was a completely different sound from anything else that you had heard. And so these artists still exist if you look for them, and you have to look for them. They are not the ones who are going to be the chart toppers. They are not the ones who are going to be the the, the uh, front page of uh, you know any of the, the music publications that are out there. You're certainly never going to see them on country music television or CMT, you're never going to see them, uh, you know, or hear them on commercial radio. You're never going to do it, right? You're not going to hear it. I tell you all that to tell you this, and and longtime listeners of mine, longtime followers of this podcast know that, um, you know, the guys like Sturgill Simpson, the guys like Whitey Morgan, 
you know, these, these, of course, Shooter Jennings, you know, Waylon Jennings' son. Shooter Jennings, I think, is, is one of the most incredible musicians alive today in any genre. And that's why he is the introduction to this podcast and has been for some time. Um, you know, a man that I'm honored to, to say that I've met twice. I'm telling you all that to tell you that, that modern pop music today, Country music is a big part of that. You know, Hank Williams III, back when I was uh, getting into my my late high school years, into my college years, I was listening to Hank Williams III a lot. And uh, some of the the better, uh, more interesting exchanges I've had uh, regarding this podcast and and listener feedback has dealt with talking about Hank Williams III, by the way. Uh, Very, very interesting. And... um, you know, talking about live shows that, that some of the listeners have have went to, and and you know, I, I've seen him. I, I got to see him twice, the Orange Peel in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, uh, in the early two thousands, and played one hell of a show and played three distinctive different sets. But he used to have a T shirt that he would wear out on stage back in that era, and it 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 just was black, big white letters on it. Just like how Johnny Cash would come out on stage in his later years and some other artists would pay homage to him and they would come out with the same things on and say, you know, listen to Johnny Cash, you know, <clears throat> and uh, Johnny Cash very much a rebel as well. Um, you know, not, absolutely not taking anything away from him. I wasn't the hugest Johnny Cash fan. Um you know, he, but he, he was one of the high women. I get it. And, and, and I, I enjoy his music uh, in a certain context, but he's he, he's certainly he, he's not my first choice, um, you know, to, to be perfectly candid. I love the guy, but, you know, and, and I'm sorry if that upsets anybody. Well, it just does. Uh, Waylon was the king. But um, with that said. With all that said, uh, Hank 3 would come out on stage with a shirt, plain black shirt, said Fuck Curb on it. What he was talking about when he was coming out there, because he wanted to be himself. And Mike Curb, who's the owner of Curb Records, uh, the record label that uh, Hank Jr. had been on for a long time, um, and Hank 3 was originally on as well, they wanted Hank Williams III because he bears a very uncanny resemblance to Hank Williams Sr., and his voice is very similar to his as well. And anybody that's ever listened to him, uh, you're going to know this, but if, if you don't believe me, listen to Ghost to a Ghost, where he does uh, some Hank Williams Sr. covers. And it, it's, it's uncanny. Uh, it is it is uncanny. He's a great musician in his own right. But he wanted to release an album that was uh, punk rock, uh, what he called cow punk, uh, a little bit of that, a little bit of country going on, and, uh, you know, with what he called the Ass Jack set back then. And, and I, I remember seeing this and absolutely loved it. Uh, absolutely loved it. I mean, just a, a hell of a stage presence. This was back when he had Joe Buck playing the bass, uh, stand-up bass, and and I mean, he just he had a he had one hell of a band. Um, it was it was incredible, and it was incredible to watch. 
it was incredible to experience and and um you know i've got bootlegs of his from back in the early 2000s back in the limewire days the kazaa days right when when we you know we were downloading things when um you know back back when it was hard uh back before you know uh uh pirate bay and all that you know and when we were trading tapes back in those days man and um it, it was just he was playing something that was so different and mike curb wanted him to not release this album he cut this this awesome album called straight to hell mike curb wouldn't release it he said, no this is not your message this is not what we want you playing, this is not your image, quote unquote, right? This isn't the Nashville sound. So he released it himself um, originally, and there was a bunch of legal problems with that, and then it had to get pulled back, and then it uh, Curb ended up releasing it later on, and it, you know, it, it, it became a massive hit. Right, it became a massive hit. And this was probably 2004, I think, 2004, 2005 time frame, uh, Straight to Hell. Great album, great album. And I'm telling you all that to explain this. Nothing, 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 nothing comes out of Nashville without someone's approval on a major label. Nothing. These people also live and die by the phrase, there's no such thing as bad press. You have to understand that. Okay. So, Jason Aldean. Now, I'm not knocking the guy. Well, I kind of, eh, let, let me back up. Yeah, I kind of am. <laughs> I'm not knocking the guy, but I almost shit talked to the dude. Um, I don't like him. I don't like his music. He's trash. Uh, Hank Williams III used to say the pop. He had a whole song, Pop Country Really Sucks. And it does. It's garbage. Uh, it was garbage then. It's garbage now. Toby Keith's garbage. You know, back in that era, Toby Keith was garbage. I'm sorry. Some of y'all want to thump your chest. Yeah, Merck. Yeah, Toby Keith was garbage. And we all knew it. Okay, we all knew it. We all knew it. The man that sold a million Ford trucks. We all fucking knew it. Okay? You know, and I ain't saying that I like the Dixie Chicks any better. Remember? See, that's I'm an OG fan. You got to be an OG fan if you remember that shit. Right? But I'm not saying they're any better. But what I'm saying is, is that controversy generates hits. And if you look at the news right now, if you look up, Jason Aldean, try that in small town, man. If you look up the news headlines, top stories on Google right now, Jason Aldean's Try That in a Small Town, number one on iTunes. Huh, how about that? Because they know, the record execs know, that albums aren't selling anymore. People aren't buying albums. They're not buying whole. You, we don't. We don't buy CDs anymore. They, hell, cars don't even come CD players anymore. People are just getting the singles. That's all it is. That's all it is. And if you have an artist that you like, and and they're an underground artist, and they don't really have a big presence, then you go to Bandcamp and get their their music direct, and you pay them for it. And I strongly recommend that. 
right? I strongly recommend you doing that. And you get their MP3s and you download their album and, you know, and, and that's how they get notoriety. And I used to play a lot of music like that here on the show. Uh, until one band in particular, and I'm not going to name who it is because I, I really, really like their music and I respect them and I respect their opinion. They asked me not to. Um, they they were not very happy. They didn't like the politics. They didn't, didn't they just asked me not to. Well, you know, hey, I, I respect them. I respect their opinion. Um, we can have a difference of opinion. I still enjoy the music and I still like who they are. Um, you know, and, and I said, okay. And, and that is the story, long and short of it. But what I'm telling you is, you know, because I, I get people asking me about the music all the time. The Jason Aldean, try that in a small town. This is a hit. Okay, it's a hit. It's number one on iTunes. It's a hit. The controversy around it is what created it being a number one hit. The record execs knew this. Okay, they knew this going into it. That's why they did what they did. All right. He is not out there creating Country Boy Can Survive. He is not out there creating Charlie Daniels' Simple Man. All right. He's not out there creating Waylon Jennings' Don't Y'all Think This Outlaw Shit Son Got Out of Hand. You know, so on and so forth. He's not writing music that anybody will be listening to five years from now. He's not. Okay. We all know it. We all know it. All right. He's he's not writing that shit. Aaron Lewis is, on the other hand, and, and you know, uh, Aaron Lewis, of course, famous lead singer, guitarist for Stained. Wonderful, wonderful artist. Uh, wonderful country music artist, too. And, um, you know, when he, he crossed over into country and he's a strong, staunch American patriot. And of course, you never hear him on the radio. You're not going to. All right. You're not going to. Now, as far as CMT goes, uh, pulling this video they did for a little while, whatever. This, this was all in an effort to generate buzz. This was all in an effort to create controversy because they knew, they knew controversy sells because it always does the shit is trash it's trash music it's always been trash music it always will be trash music don't be fooled and don't get behind this guy because let me remind you jason aldean jason aldean not that long ago not that long ago. i don't remember which one it was offhand and i've had a few of these pint miller lights tonight He's in favor of gun control. Look it up. He was quoted as saying... It was the shooting was in Las Vegas. Yeah. Las Vegas. That's the one. That's the one. Well, you were first in sheep, so I was fixing to ask you anyway. Good segue into it. But he said these, these guns are too, too widely available. They're too readily available. He's in favor of gun control. This is all bullshit. Okay? It's all bullshit. He ain't on your side. It's all phony controversy. Don't get behind it. Don't even buy into it. Just as my late great grand, my other late great grandmother would have said, "Don't pay it any mind. It's all smoke and mirrors." She was exactly right, and that's probably what she would have said about this. Anyway, now that I've been talking for twenty-two minutes and fourteen seconds, man, the myth, the legend. 
the man behind tacticalwisdom.com, Mr. Joe Delio himself. What's up, brother? Hey, just uh, packing stuff for this uh, trip. You know, <laughs> trying to get trying to get ready to come on down again, um, and uh, bringing bringing my man Scott with me. It's going to be a good time. Um, but is that song really even country? I mean, I, I watched a video yeah. earlier today, and it doesn't seem very country to me. And and like I said, uh, you know what? I, I can support his thought that hey, you shouldn't cancel me for this, but I, I don't have to support the guy because you know there's the gun control statements, there's the general nonsense around him. But yeah. I do support his right to make the song, and and there's really literally nothing racist about the song. In fact, every criminal you can see in there is white. So I'm not well, buying their nonsense. No, somebody made the music video. Somebody wrote the song. And it wasn't Jason Aldean, by the way. Yeah. That dude don't write his own music. I mean, come on. They don't, they do not get the, the degrees of freedom to write their own songs because they have a record producer there. They have an image manager. They have image consultants. They all sit there. I mean, if, if you want to know how this works in a nutshell, in a, in a way that, that, you know, I can spend all night explaining this because I, I'm very passionate about underground music. Um, the dude isn't going, hey, Jason Aldean's not going out there singing David Allen Coe's X-rated album. It ain't happening. Okay. He he is in there. I mean, this that's not happening. I'll, I'll um, be honest. This know, was he, probably he, an attempt to regain his image from the gun control statement. In all honesty, probably. Probably. I mean, he's he's not getting out there, and you know, it, it, no. Th there's there's nothing controversial about about any of this. All of the buzz around it is bullshit. It's all it, it's all manufactured. It's all you know. Hey, let's let's because if if you generate buzz, if if I went out there and, and let's say I go on Twitter or whatever, and I'm not big enough on Twitter to do this, but if, if I went out there and I started a beef with somebody, well, say you for example, you know you you've got a giant following behind you. And and I you know we're both in on no that, hey, that's what I need I'm is one you, man I need and, one more dude yeah. beefing with me on Twitter right yeah yeah <laughs> and we just we we dude we we just throw haymakers at each other you know just all sorts of all sorts of stupid shit back and forth and you'll see those people come out of the woodwork you know one side or the other the sides get galvanized but but you know. Everybody always ends up. And this is the thing they don't understand is that whenever you see any of the big, the big Twitter beefs, right? This is some Donald Trump was actually really good at. Uh, I mean, everybody remembers the Donald Trump, Rosie O'Donnell beef, and I thought it was hilarious. Like I, I thought that shit was hilarious. Right? They made so much money off that. They made, like, Rosie O'Donnell made so much money off of that. They made money off of this, man. They got so many more followers because they just, the, the people that are following it just want to see the shit talking, man. They just want to see, like, it, I mean, you take UFC, for example, pro wrestling, boxing, whatever it is, right? You don't remember the fight. The fight why is Conor McGregor so famous? 
You don't remember. Nobody remembers not one Conor McGregor fight. They remember his. Life. They remember yeah. his mouth, though. Yeah, <laughs> his mouth. Yeah, they remember his shit talking. They remember him going out there and absolutely being a madman on the microphone. Muhammad Ali is the same way, man. Muhammad Ali. Nobody ever remembers not one Muhammad Ali fight where they were like, man, wow, that was the paragon of what boxing should be. He was an incredible boxer. Yes, he was an incredible boxer. But you get Muhammad Ali on the microphone, that dude shit talking was legendary. Ric Flair, nobody, nobody ever will remember a Ric Flair wrestling match. Nobody. Nobody will ever watch a Ric Flair. They Nobody, nobody, Dusty Rhodes, the same way. Nobody will ever sit there and watch one of their wrestling matches and be like, man, wow, that, that's an athlete right there. No. no so here's what sucked no. for me. Here's what sucked for me is I had just gotten home from the Marines and I was working as a as a uh, as a bodyguard for for the WWF or whatever they were called those days. So I was a fan, yeah. but then after the matches, you would take Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, and they would go out to dinner together and hang out together. You're like, "Well, y'all hate each other. You're supposed to hate each other." Yeah, it's kayfabe, man. It's kayfabe. It's all kayfabe, and and that's what this shit is right here. That that's what Jason Aldean shit is. It's kayfabe. It's it, and I promise you, I promise you, because it, this is one of the things, and this was the the idea that was floating around in my head while I was in the truck earlier today, getting, you know, I was, I was in between things, getting some stuff done. You gotta understand, man, go back and watch the Lego movie. I tell people all the time, Joe, you've heard me say this before. Watch the Lego movie, Lego movie. Yes. Kids, you know, it's kids movie. I get it. But the Lego movie had a whole lot of truth told to you in an, in like Aesop's fable allegory kind of way. Right. You like the the workers and how they were all singing. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. Everything is awesome, right? You know, oh, we're all gonna be part of Taco Tuesday, and they all like get in line and they all like do the same thing, and it like that's society, man. That's society, and so you gotta understand. Now, this this might come off a little bit controversial, but it's the truth, right? The truth always is. CMT, BET, right? Two sides of the dichotomy here, right? So BET obviously stands for Black Entertainment Television. You got Black Entertainment Television. You've got CMT, Country Music Television, right? We, we'll just call that White Entertainment Television because you, you might as well. That's the way that it's presented, right? That, that's the way that it's presented. So w- when you look at the dichotomy, and you break it down in that way, you begin to understand some things. Like when you look at BET, just watch BET for a little while. Then turn around and watch CMT for a little while. And think about this critically. Like what are they promoting? What are the, what are both of these channels promoting? They're not promoting wholesomeness, like good, you know, decent people, decent ways of living right now nah, man they're promoting the same things they're promoting trash hookup culture they're promoting throwaway music through throwaway music a lot of times right because both these channels are hinged on music obviously right 
but they, they're promoting the most negative qualities of both of those cultures, right? The dichotomy of cultures. They're, they're not sitting there trying to build anybody up and say, and, and empower anybody and say, hey, you know, maybe, you know, like, for example, man, maybe you ought to rise above your circumstances, wherever, like whatever your station in life you were born in, maybe you ought to rise above that. Maybe, maybe you're a little bit better than that. Maybe, you, you know, you need to get out of the trailer park and not talk like you got a, a pack of Pall Malls in your mouth, you know, like maybe you're better than that. Maybe you shouldn't talk like you're from the hood. You know, maybe maybe you should go out and achieve some things, but they don't do that, right? They don't do that. Why? Because that doesn't sell anything, right? Those things don't sell anything. It doesn't perpetuate stereotypes. That's See, and, and, and that's a conversation that we really can't have because when you begin to have that kind of conversation, people get all uppity about that. Oh, you can't say that. Oh shit, you can't say that. But it's no doubt true, man. It perpetuates negative stereotypes of both categories of people out there, like the dichotomy of both people. And I mean, I realized that stuff early on and that's, I mean, CMT and, you know, whatever. And, and of course the liberals are jumping on it and they're going to say whatever they want. Right. It, it, and, you got to understand liberals out there to the, the three of you that probably listen to this, they're working for media matters or whoever, like the, the censors for Podbean and YouTube and Spotify. Cause I know you're listening to it too. So that would make four of y'all that are listening to this. I mean, really think about it, you know, perpetuate negative stereotypes. I mean, and that's exactly what the Jason Aldean shit is too. I mean, like, look, here's the deal, folks. This this whole, like, try that in a small town, whatever the song is, is called. Yeah, it, it, that is what it's called. Try that in a small town. I got it pulled up right here. All right. I've lived that. Like, I've lived that. Longtime listeners, guys that know me, you know, have, have been to my training site where, you know, where I'm at. You know, I've told you all the stories. I've lived that. You know, we, we've had those issues and it's outside agitators that have come in. It's never nobody that lives here. Right. And and there's some reasons for that. And, you know, that, that's stuff that I'm not going to get too deep into in tonight's episode, but I've lived all that. And this, this song, you know, the song is kind of a, you got to understand that going back to what I was saying about country music right pop country specifically pop country music it is there to perpetuate certain ideas and, and things get green lit by the producers every album that comes out from these pop country stars is green lit by a team of producers that and and the record label execs that say you can either do this or you can't do this and if you don't believe me if you don't believe me uh, I mean there's numerous examples out there man if you go back and you watch the the excellent uh, Queen docudrama with um, I'm trying to remember the the young actor's name the uh, the guy from Mr. Robot. What an incredible movie, by the way! What an incredible movie! It, it was just in you know being a fan of Queen in my teenage years and and just loving uh, that that presence and that voice that Freddie Mercury had and and the the precision musicianship that they had. Um, you know, it was, it was really incredible. That docudrama was was awesome. 
And that, that guy really did an incredible job playing Freddie Mercury as well. But that their their whole album with some of their greatest hits on it, they you know their their record exec said no, we're, we're not going to put this out there. We're not going to approve this for release. This isn't yeah you know, you're, you're singing rock music with opera. This isn't going to be a thing. Um, yeah, Rami Malek, uh, be prepared and come for the save, man. Much much appreciated, Rami Malek. Uh, that is his name. I, I love that guy, man. Loved him in in. Uh, 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 Mr. Robot loved him in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody as well, but um, you know, with that said, they they approved this song. They somebody Jason Aldean, quote unquote, he didn't he wasn't sitting there directing the fucking music video. Who decided that out of the album that he cut that this was going to be the single that they were going to make a music video for? I mean, come on, come on. All right. You got to understand that the role of music, going back to talking about BET, CMT, quote unquote, so on and so forth, right? Their whole role is to promote hegemony and to keep you roped in. All right. You don't deviate from that. You don't walk outside of that hegemony. You're not allowed to think outside of that. George Orwell talked about this. He called it prole feed. Specifically, this 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 category of culture was called prole feed or proletariat feed. That's what they listen to. That's what they consume. That is what the driving force behind what they think and feel and the creation of their arguments. This is a very valuable thing if you are the ruling class. And so... When we think about this, you're probably thinking like, man, he has spent 36.18 minutes now talking and, you know, trashing the song, which I really don't disagree with. Hey, man, I don't disagree with it either. Like I said, I've lived this, but I see it for what it is. Okay. I see it for what it is. They are trying to separate you into a dichotomy. Don't buy into it. Don't buy into it. They're separating you into a dichotomy right now. Every so often, the ruling class will do that. They want you to be separated and segregated into that. Something that we used to use, a little acronym that was in the back of our brains overseas when we were detaining people, is search, segregate, silence, and safeguard to the rear. That's how you control a population. You gain control over a population, a targeted population, and you take those that you're taking into captivity back to the rear. Think about that. Think about that because that is exactly what happens. Culturally, this is something that happens, right? And that's what's happening right now. Jason Aldean, you know, I give him a thumbs down anyway just because it's, you know, whatever i will never share the stage with the man i don't care he would never come on this podcast and i would never ever uh i would never be invited to any venue that he would be playing at so i don't give a shit okay the same people that are that are freaking out over jason aldean apparently they've never heard hank williams jr They've never heard Charlie Daniels. Or they've never they've never heard David Allen Coe. They've never heard a rap song in the last thirty-five years. 
because they say it encourages violence, yeah. right? I mean, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But now that I've got that off my chest, now that I, I am, it's just, it's all been bottled up and I've wanted to get it out. I've wanted to do a whole podcast on it, which I mean, hell, 38 minutes now, might as well have. Uh, I wanted to do a whole podcast on it, but, uh, you know, anyway, 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 here we are. And now it's all come out, right? Genie in the bottle stuff flowed out. So with that said, uh, I'm working down the list here, Joe, we already got, got to you. You know, you're packing your bags to come down here, North Carolina yet again, so you can demonstrate show the world yet again just how allergic you are to tall fescue uh <laughs> bro shh, quiet she's literally in the next room and we don't talk about that right now <laughs> uh, we, don't, we don't talk about the tall fescue. Yeah, she didn't she's know. like uh, she's like i'm gonna let you me. go she's like i'm gonna let you go this time because of stan and scott but you know you, no But we're going to wait out the list. We have back with us, back with us after uh, a couple of weeks off because he was off doing more important YouTube famous star things. And he didn't want to hang out with us, us peons, us lowly, you know, uh, the, the proletariat out there. He's up there uh, putting his pinky out with champagne. Mr. Risky Crisky. I don't even like champagne, dude. I've uh, <laughs> I've been busy as hell. I'll tell you what. We had a car die, oh, yeah. and then it's like you know that whole process of towing the car, seeing if you can get any money for it, going and identifying a new one. That whole fun process of going to a dealership and uh, just busy as shit with the family. Can I say shit on here? I don't know. If yes. Okay. <laughs> this is a free speech. Then. Seems somewhat irrelevant at this point. Yeah, I've said all the cuss words, I think, tonight. I've said them all. I've enjoyed it. It was uh, a break from the usual, so that's nice. I'm not a huge country fan, but I know the older stuff uh, that you were alluding to there. So, Oh, Good yeah. Times. Well, you know, you live in the same radius of a certain country music station that is, that is well-known uh, in, in these parts. Well, mm -hmm. well-known. Uh, especially on Saturday yeah. night with the, the cool <laughs> classics and, uh, you know, where you can, you can call in and, you know, you have, you have all the, all the, the denizens of the, the local counties and the, the surrounding eight counties or so that can all hear radio station. Oh, call in the request line, you know, and they always, it always ends up with the drunk lady at the end of the night that wants to hear Conway Twitty. I want to hear Conway Twitty blue jeans. Baby got the blue jeans on. You know, and you know she's drunk. You know she every single time. You know she's drunk. She's fucking wasted. Just Spray. one too many margaritas. <sighs> Might be margaritas. box wine. Yeah, I was I was about to say it's probably box wine. It's probably <laughs> front. Yeah. She's uh -huh. like, hell yeah, I want to hear Conway Twitty. I've been wanting to hear Conway Twitty all night. It's like, girl, you do know that YouTube exists, right? You can just listen to Conway Twitty anytime you want. 
like <laughs> I'm not the biggest Conway Twitty fan. So yeah. He's not he just doesn't doesn't do it for me. You know? Just he's not my thing. But I might be a little too uh I don't want to say urban. I just never got into that stuff, man. I like it. It's better than the current music. I'll give it that much. Like leaps and bounds, not even close. <laughs> well, we, we've seen you without the mask. You're not. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, that reminds me, there's this meme. I don't know if you've seen it. There's this guy. Frank, and I don't know where he's at, but I'm, I'm assuming he's somewhere in Asia because this old Asian woman, the way she reacts just makes me believe that. And uh, he like comes out of nowhere and scares her. She's not afraid. And then he takes it off. And he is urban, and she freaks out. She doesn't freak out at the mask. And I'm like, oh, God. This has got to be in, like, China or something. You know, we, we, we show that Chinese, uh, we show the Chinese uh, laundry commercial on our channel all the time because it shows how racist the Chinese are. This dude comes home, uh, and he's black, and she puts him in the, uh, in the washing machine with this detergent, and he comes out Chinese. It's wow. absolutely that horrible. Yeah. That that culture is more racist than most cultures, openly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Top five, top three, maybe. Dude, they're, they're some of the most, the, especially South Korea, like South Korea specifically, man. They're some of the most xenophobic people on earth. And it, the, like, when, when we think about that, like, American culture thinks negatively about that, right? They're like, oh, you know, ah, you're a racist or whatever, you're terrible. Man, you got to understand something about South Korea. Like, Koreans in general, they were colonized over and over and over again. Like, they, they were enslaved by the Chinese. They were enslaved by the Japanese. They... You know, they, they were absolutely brutalized by the Japanese. There, there's a reason for that. With it, like, there's a there's a shared cultural experience among them. Like, hey, if you're not Korean, you don't understand what we've went through. And and so, like, we, you know, Americans looking through our lens at that, which our lens is very fucked up anyway. But, you know, when we look at, at stuff like that, um, you know, we, we think of it as a negative thing. They don't look at it. That way. No, they look it's at it as common like, sense. No, yeah. And, you know, we had a I do Korean martial arts. So we had a master from Korea come over and one of our affiliates had modified this form and did a Japanese version. This dude shouted out for everyone to stop what they were doing. And he gave like a history lecture for the next 40 minutes and was like, why on earth would you modify something Korean into something Japanese? I mean, they literally still feel this way to this day. Uh, that's yeah. why I'm laughing so yeah. hard at PFC homeboy who decided to just skip into North Korea. Cause that's not going to go the way he thinks it's going to go. Is there any word on that? I, it's my understanding he was like in trouble or being investigated for like breaking the rules. Oh, maybe maybe so it was something as that, simple as he just bounced because he didn't want to get in trouble. As our resident military policeman, let me just tell you, they screwed this up all the way around. <laughs> so these cats drove him to the airport in custody, get him out, take him to the airport, and let him go at security. They're like, hey, man, just get on your plane. 
So homeboy walks in, goes through security, turns around, goes right back out departures. Uh, and yeah, he was supposed to face disciplinary action and separation when he got home because he had just spent two months in prison uh, in South Korea. For the South Koreans to actually put you in jail as an American, you had to have really messed up, right? They generally try to sweep it all under the rug. And they're like, no, nah, we're going to hold this guy. So why on earth you wouldn't put him on a Mac flight or a COD flight or something? Uh, why you would send him commercial and then just trust him to get on the plane? I know I, why. I know yeah. why. Yeah. No, no, I, I know why. Um, uh, I, do I want to tell the story? Yeah, I might as well now. I'll tell parts. I'll tell a version of it. Um, the reason that they, they were putting in commercial rather than Mac, um, one, it's cheaper to do it that way. Uh, there's less paperwork, but also they probably turned him over to a civilian agency and they were processing him for separation, but there was a civilian law enforcement agency that was involved. Um, I had I had a similar situation as an NCO. I had a soldier who, um, I had a well, there there was a few of them that were court martialed, and they they had started up their own little private militia, and they they were doing some really dumb things, um, doing some really really dumb things, and that's what got them in trouble. Um, got him in a lot of trouble and then there was there was some other criminal some serious criminal activity that was occurring straw man purchases of firearms and this was during uh fast and furious uh so they they were kind of involved in in some of that that was going on uh one of the guys had turned an informant on the rest of them uh they had a big social media presence on facebook it, it was they, they, it was very, very interesting. I've told other people this, uh, the, the story behind it in class. But uh, anyway, one of the guys was convicted. All, uh, all of them except for one ended up getting convicted. But one of them that was convicted, we were trying to just get rid of this dude. Like, just, okay, you're convicted. We're going to hand you over to CID, and they're going to deal with your transportation. Because we hated him. Like, hated this guy inside and out man he 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 was such a piece of shit and um turned out like nope cid didn't want to deal with him uh we had to transport him because we were his parent unit and it was just like well no now he's convicted he's your responsibility and so we were just passing the buck back and forth you know and, and here's this guy you know in shackles and i was literally on the phone like Get on the phone. Hey, my commander says this. No, well, I want to talk to your commander. Okay, well, he's out. You know, all right, well, I want to talk to your sergeant major. Well, okay, put him on with the sergeant major and sergeant major, kick him back down to me. And he's like, well, he's your soldier, you know. And I'm like, but he's not my soldier because he's he's a convict now. And so it was, it was just passing the buck back and forth of like what the fuck we were going to do with this guy. Well, we end up um, – we were going to put him on a Mac flight. And this was Conus. This was in Conus, by the way. We we're going to put him on a Mac flight, and they wouldn't allow it because they said that he had already been convicted, and now he was handed over to civil authorities, 
even though he was going to a military prison, they would not transport him. And we're like, what the fuck? You know, like he's because when you go to a military prison, you know, you, you get your rank stripped off of you. You get, you know, if you U.S. Army or U.S. Navy, Marine Corps, or like you know, Air Force, whatever, you get all that, like all those identifiers stripped off of you, and you just have your name tape. And, you know, you're, you're in that military prison. Well, he, like, we had to figure out how to get him there. And because now he's on the domestic terrorist list, he we couldn't fly him commercially either. So we were just like, what the fuck? Like, we took him to the airport. We bought him a flight. Like, we were going to fly him out there. So me and another guy are going to escort him to where he was. He was going to uh, uh, Joint Base Lewis McCord. And, um, you know, we're going to take him out there. Nope, can't, you know, can't get him on a plane. Can't fly him. He's just like, what the fuck? Like, you know, so we ended up having to, we ended up having to take him uh, in a, in a uh, government rental vehicle. And it was just like, what the fuck, man? You know, so we took this giant road trip, getting this asshole to, to go do his 10 years for being a piece of shit. But, um, yeah. Oh, well, we used Good to. Times, man. So I'm, I'm a bit older than you, and we used to just put him on a Mac flight. You'd strap him in, and then you'd go up on the flight deck with the with the with the flight crew. They're like, "Where are you going?" I'm like, "Not like you're going to escape into the air, and it's going to be cold and loud. Have a good flight." But uh, they don't do that anymore. Nah, because everything is budgeted now. Like everything, and Crisky man, you'll remember this. Like if if uh, the DZSO drop zone safety officer calls a jump on the ground, like if it's sixteen knots, and and they call it, then the army has to pay for it. Uh, they have to pay for the fuel and everything. If the air force calls it, then the air force has to pay for it. So like, there's this whole back and forth of like who's gonna pay for what. You know, if if, if a jump gets pulled, and and it's 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 shit like that. Like the army's it, it not all gonna pull it. down to. That's why you're always ah. jumping when you shouldn't jump because the wind's way too fast. Yep. 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 hundred percent. hundred percent, man. And, and it, I was, I was waiting for you to chime in with that because dude, it's all budgeting, right? Everything boils down to budgeting. They don't give a fuck. They're like, okay, units budgeted for this much for like, whatever, you know, that's just what you're going to get. And uh, it's it's bullshit, man. It really is. It really is. But yeah, this no kid, man. When I'm you hear you. somebody talk about the the wind, like if you ever, for those listening, you hear stories of people jumping, like they're they don't like to cancel these jumps. Like imagine yeah. going through the rigmarole, setting all this up, organizing it, having all these aircraft fueled, and everyone on standby, ready to go, all that equipment, the airspace, everything. And then just like, eh, no, we're in the air, but like, let's just cancel it right last second, just because the air is moving a little too quick around us. They do not like to do that. Nah, sixteen knots. That is the that is the threshold on the ground and the drop. I think we lost them. He tipped back the the Miller Light a little too far. Yeah, the uh, the whole jumping when the wind's too fast that is not 
ideal. But at the end of the day, that's not necessarily the worst thing. I mean, it would have to be way up there for it to truly be like a serious danger to everybody. But when it's just five, six miles an hour over that, you're still going. But you definitely notice it. Like when you exit the aircraft, you feel it a whole lot more. He should be back any second for those of y'all listening in. I think his internet just cut out temporarily. Hey, Chris, are you in the area at all next week, Wednesday, Thursday-ish? I will be, yes. Well, uh, several of us will be uh, hanging out at the G-Camp that day. Just throwing that out there. There will probably be whiskey to drink with Risky Crisky. See how I did that? I'm really like good at that. this. Yeah. The rhymes, yeah I'm into the rhymes as well. Very I'll probably have a song around it by by Wednesday. I'm just saying. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I, I would. It'd be a good excuse for me to zip up there on the bike. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Scott's coming in from Korea, and it's going to be a good time. So, well, from Turkey on his way to Korea, whatever. So, wherever he's at, going to wherever he's going. Hasn't been back in America in three years, so we got to show him what's happening he's got a lot of drinking to catch up on so we're gonna make that happen i couldn't think of a better place to get caught up on drinking than at the g camp so oh yeah who's that in the uh, open country i ride a heritage soft tails a 90s one it's pretty pretty sweet that is pretty sweet it's my first harley i've had a bunch of other bikes but this is my first american made bike I love it. I'm not the uh, mechanically, in- well, I, I don't want to say I'm not mechanically inclined. I'm not like vehicular auto engine mechanically inclined. So just messing with the carburetor, just rebuilding that. Golly, that's a learning curve. Yeah, I'm mechanically declined when it comes to automobiles. Uh, this is why they have garages. I just take it to somebody. I can take it apart and put it back together. I cannot tell you a single part's name. I'll be able to take it apart and put it back together with my, like, freaking blindfolded after this experience. I've done it a couple of times now because <laughs> I go and I do it and I'm like, oh, we did that wrong. Take it apart, do it again. You see, you guys are just oh. denying work to hardworking mechanics. That's all. I, that's my excuse anyway for not knowing, right? I, I'm I'm terrible at mechanical. I've just been ripped off. Yeah, it's just like times. bite the bullet. Got to bite the bullet and learn. My dad's was, an old grease monkey, excuse, so he usually just kind of like tells me what to do as I'm doing it and tell me I'm a dumbass for doing it wrong when I'm doing it. It's kind of how my car fixing goes these days. Well, one of the reasons I got this bike specifically is because it's carbureted and I wanted like worst case, I would still like to have wheels, you know, Oh yeah. if other cars are having issues. I know it's probably not the most likely thing to happen, but nonetheless, I want that option on the table and it would be, you know, fun vibes. Uh, For sure. If the world's going to shit and being on the Harley with ape hangers. <laughs> I got to get a sidecar. That's the other thing. I, I'm, I'm either going to get a Ural. I think that's what they're called. It's like a new bike. They're like 20 grand. Yeah. Brand new. Yeah. It comes with a sidecar. They're like off-road 
motorcycles. I'm pretty sure Stan has one on order, and the, I'm just going to point this out purely for historical purposes. They make a machine gun mount for it. I'm just yeah. I'm going to throw that out there. Well, you can't see uh, as long as it's a machine gun mount and not an FRT mount, because those you can't even apparently search for those on Gunbroker without the ATF coming in, because they somehow have access to your search history. Even if you don't purchase it, you see that on Mr. Guns and Gear? Oh, yeah. Yep. I didn't see that. Full minority report mode. Yeah. I love I mean, how they're always like... They've always had access. They just, whether they actually use it or not, that was always the question. So they're always like, well, you can just give it back. Give it back? Are you implying that this was all an undercover op by you to sell it to me? I can't give it back to you if I didn't buy it from you. That's right. For sure. The Harley Technical? That would be fun. That would be badass. I, I have to get something with a sidecar. So I was like, either I get a sidecar with this, um, or I get another bike and throw a sidecar on. Mainly, I, I like riding with my dog, but he is just... I want to cuss so much now, and I'm just not going to do it because I'm on somebody else's, but I just want to let loose <laughs> a bunch of F-bombs because my dog is so fat. And he can't fit in the bag anymore on my back. So he needs a sidecar. What a little he's fat He's like bastard. my main squeeze, so he's got to go with me everywhere. I have a little main squeeze. He's the snorer, if you ever hear him. I don't know where he's Mine at. Mine didn't got... snore, but he's so fat now he snores. Mine isn't fat. He is just like, from the day we got him, he snores like a grown man. Yeah, the dog we have, the, the smallest dog, her little three-pound chihuahua, is the loudest snorer in the house. All the right, I am of... back. Can, we, hey, can y'all hear me? Holy yeah, shit. Just in the nick of time, we were talking about dogs on motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> Things have gotten out of hand. Dude. Dogs snoring on motorcycles. Hey, what, man? Madman, actual man, bro. You fucking, oh, you hey. fucking boys at the NSA, man. They need to quit fucking with me. I could have been saying like, they're not my boys the whole time. God, they're not. They're not my boys. Really, I'm, putting their, I'm putting them motherfuckers on notice. I was over here talking about <laughs> homeboy jumping over over the border in Korea, getting free dental surgery and shit, turning into the fucking the version of Black Jaws out there like and all of a sudden i look and i'm talking to myself i was like what the fuck what the fuck yeah look down i, I got like no internet time, connection i do that out again. in the woods all the time i'm like i didn't even hit record i've been yelling by myself screaming at the phone for the last 45 minutes my battery's dead on my on my no. microphone you <laughs> need, need to you need come out in my place man I got a camera on I the way. You, I tell you, I am not My guys are sending me one. You. I am yeah. not far from you at all. Like, I gotta make a visit. You gotta hang out. You need to come. You need to come out. You. Need, I mean, I'm gonna be there all next week. We got classes going on. Yeah, I can just come down to the tactical SIG and exploitation class. Yes. Yes. That'll be a good one. Yes. The SIG, the regular SIG and RTO is solid. We got we got a machine gun class coming up too. Yeah. Like for real, a for machine real. Machine gun class. Yeah, see, that's I awesome. see that's the stealth one. Nah, what? so so I got a buddy. I got a buddy. 
I got a, a trusted associate in the fold who is a machine gun builder. He's not kidding. And from down in Georgia, and he is a 240 Bravo and an M2. And uh, we we're doing a machine gun course, a machine gunner's qualification course on my place. So 240 Bravo. And, and by the way, so some of the people that have seen this and they've reached out because the class looks expensive. I get it. It's a thousand bucks, two days. That's high. I, I understand. Like you think that's high at face value, but, but you're getting the ammo included. Okay. You're not bringing any ammo to this class. The ammo is included in the cost of the class. All right. So... I mean, who doesn't want to learn how to headspace and time a 50 cal and then shoot it and qualify on it? I mean, come on. That should be you know, one of the, uh, the trophies for graduating the classes. Give them a little necklace with the headspace and timing key on it. Well, I don't know if we can do that. We damn sure can do 50 cal casings, though. Like, oh, yeah, that, we, we absolutely are going to be able to do that. Like, you'll, you'll be taking that home. But, um,. Yeah, man. 240 Bravo, M2, you know, uh, shooting it off, uh, uh, doing T&E off tripod, learning how to do all that. Hey, man, you know, it, it's it's going to be pretty going to be pretty badass. And a thousand bucks. I mean, thousand dollars for that class that includes ammunition. It includes expensive. You're going to be making yeah. dudes assistant gunners and ammo bearers, having them out there doing the drills. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. on the 240. Yes. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Right. Slamming it in. Yeah. It's like a full, yeah. like, legit qualification. Yeah. That's oh, great. yeah. Thousand bucks. People will deal, love that. that. People will absolutely I mean, eat that up. Yeah, I got another guy for that. Yeah, also, There's if you need there. one, in uh, he's in Kentucky, though. So, same deal. Machine gun manufacturer. Uh, yeah. One of his people actually has a KPV that he's converted to 50 cal. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> he actually has invited us down to shoot it on Sunday. So I might be doing that. Yeah. I would Jeez. love to just watch the machine gun, like them do those courses of fire. Not even just, not yeah. even take part, just sit back and watch. Well, I mean, hell's bells, yeah. man. What you, you, I mean, it's an open <laughs> invitation. I'm bringing it up because I know, you know. Old habits die hard, bro. You need to you just need how to make often do you hear the, the patterns of fire like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean Makes it's me the worse. little things. It's the little things. As a as a former weapons squad leader myself, it's the little things like, you know, one gun is set at, at one on the gas regulator. The other one is set at three. You know? Do, 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 do. Do, 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 you know, when they're talking guns. Just like, ah, oh, it warms my heart. My entire time in was in a weapon squad. Dude, I believe that, man. I believe that. You got the build for that. It's just like, you know, when they were breaking Bubba's down and, and they were just like, you, you're, you're going to be in weapon squad. Fucking lanky looking motherfucker. You're, you're in weapon squad. So in the MPs, we had, we always had a saw and a, and a full-size machine gun, right? But as a yeah. team leader, I didn't. I, I I'm not humping any of that stuff. I had people for that, but um, I love machine guns. I was at the last machine gun shoot actually there at uh, 
what's that big one in Tennessee? They had it, Knob Creek. I was at the very Knob last Creek. one. Yeah, that's pretty. Dude, it's sad that they they stopped that man. It really is. It is. It was a really good time. I guess it's a like Kentucky, not Tennessee, but whatever. Knob Creek, good times. Yeah, it, it, it's right there. It's like right there on the border. Like it's that sucks, man. That that they they canceled all that, but they got their whiskey. They're making money off that. The Knob Creek whiskey. Yeah, I have some within reach. Yeah. It's eh, it's not bad. Oh, the maple. You got to try the maple. I haven't tried the maple. I'm not big on maple liquor. Too sugary, man. I can just I can taste the hangover already. Yeah. 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 You wake up, your wife makes you pancakes and just fucking throw up on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't need that. Uh, I don't know, man. I hate I, when I, I drink and I get the spins. That's the worst. I do. You gotta sleep with your foot on the floor. Oh, yeah. Just take that yeah. to the yard. Off, you know. Just go back outside. I drink... <laughs> Dude, I, I drank some black velvet with maple. And black velvet's just awful Canadian whiskey. And God, when, when was this? This was probably this was probably 2012. First of all, you said awful and Canadian whiskey in the same sentence. You that's redundant. I thought it, black yeah, velvet it, had Guinness in it. Just something else. I don't know, man. I I don't know. Anyway, it, it was black velvet and it had maple in it. It was black velvet maple. And I was drinking this. I was like, man, this is going down. Like, you know, and back in those days, I was a big Jim Beam Red Stag guy, which is, you know, already awful. Uh, terrible. Just terrible, terrible liquor. But, <laughs> but whatever. But I was drinking that shit, and I was drinking uh, Crown Royal a lot, too. Because Crown Royal, your royalty when you're drinking that, you got a fancy little purple bag you're carrying around, you know. But, uh, oh, my God. I drank that stuff, and it was a New Year's, too. And so, like, the whole the whole Redneck gang, like, all of us, my neighbor, like the guy that, that lived next door to me. So I, I was living off post at that point. And, um, you know, I was still in the army, but I was living off post. So like my neighbor comes over, he was from Atlanta. He, he's, uh, uh, you know, dude from the hood in Atlanta. And, um, you know, we, we would go to the range together. We were, we hung out a lot, you know, afternoons, we drink beer and stuff on the back porch, uh, smoking cigars and everything. But, um, he came over and he was drinking, he was like, damn, this is good. This is, this is like too good. This this is the, when you wake up and you feel bad, kind of good, you know? And, uh, Man, it was a, but yeah, it, it was bad. I drank too much of that that night, and that ruined me on maple liquor for forever. I have a similar After story that, that just the worst hangover ever from uh, Goldschlager that I will never. <laughs> oh, no. You talk about the worst no. <laughs> ever. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Jamaican was the whole bottle oh, that one time, and I woke up underneath a GMC. What is it? Uh, a Jimmy? A GMC Jimmy? I was throwing up flakes. It was disgusting. You know how bad oh that God. cinnamon tastes on the way up with the stomach acid? <laughs> Dude, if I was throwing up flakes, I'd be depressed. I know exactly what it is. Like, I'm tasting it right now. I'm yeah. tasting it right now. Because that was like, that was the drinking choice when you were like 17. You were like, yeah. I think I was 17, actually. That's quite got, funny that you guessed that. Hell yeah. We got the gold starter, man. We got the gold It's like, that's what we got tonight. Gold for Bro. Bro. I'm going to break the bottle open and I'm going to get the gold out, man. Oh, oh I got the gold oh out. God. That's for sure. Oh, <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. This shit's so bad. Oh, so Goldschlager and Conway Twitty. Never, ever, <laughs> ever tell you. Lordy, lordy, baby's got her blue jeans on. See Jimmy just going to town. God. <laughs> I mean, I ain't gonna say I ain't hooked up with a with a. Uh, uh, Lady of loose morals in the back of a GMC, Jimmy. It's happened. It it may or may not have happened. It, no, Jimmy's happened. were the thing back then. Jimmy's were the thing. See Very the GMC. Common. The Jimmy GMC. was like a Colorado. Yes, yes. It's the millennial El Camino. Yes. Well, that was the S10. See the Jimmy. No, the Jimmy was the SUV, Jimmy, wasn't it? Yes, the Jimmy yeah, was a was a small SUV. It's like the it was GMC like a for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it, was, it looked like an S10 in the front. It was ugly as shit. The yeah. round one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. The 90s extreme one or whatever that one was. Like, imagine that in an SUV, and it's disgusting. Ew, Before yeah. the Durango got big. The Durango. Yes, Durangos. Durangos. Durangos were cool, too. Durangos were cool. They were, I mean, you know. Bring back the GMC Jimmy's. <laughs> Brent, they ought to, man. They ought to. Because, I mean, Ford brought back the Ranger. GM ought to bring back the S10, dude. Like, the Chevy S10. GMC Jimmy. They need to manufacture it in Mexico and call it the Hemi. Hemi. Sell it the same way. Hemi. It's like my cousin. It's like my cousin. His name is Jimenez, and we call him Hemi. You don't understand. Hey, me primo. <laughs> I do that. But I you got to write it in cursive and put... Is it a Dodge? Up. No, it's it's a Ford. It's Spanish. <laughs> you got to put some big, badass eagles on the, the back. border, dude. Hell get, yeah. Get with the times. Hell yeah. You get, but but to, in order to sell it in Mexico, you got to put carpet up on the dashboard, and you got to put like <laughs> the, the name of the truck in cursive and have some glitter on it, man. Like how you that gotta have, have the whole back windshield the Cowboys right. logo. Just telling you, and it's got to end in an S. It's got to end yeah. in an S, bro. I gotta tell y'all. I gotta tell y'all. The other day, the other day, I saw the coolest fucking thing, and I had to reach out to my Texas boys just just because of this, because of what I saw. I saw a Ford Expedition. Right, Ford Expedition pulled up next to me. I'm going to Walmart. Got my my oldest son with me. Going to Walmart. Ford Expedition pulls up next to me at the stoplight, and it's a little bit ahead of me, so I can see the back glass. In the back glass, it's a giant 
giant takes up the whole back glass half of it's a mexican flag half of it's a rebel flag and i was like oh my god holy <laughs> shit <laughs> this dude this dude is badass this motherfucker right here hell yeah this dude knows the deal see they, <laughs> they always had right the uh... The expeditions, the Eddie Bauer ones, but you could have the Hemi Eduardo Bauer edition. Yeah. I, was, so. I, was just, I was so busy, man. I was so busy, just like, oh my god, I was in awe of how awesome this was. I was like, man, this motherfucker right here is badass. He's so badass, and I was, I was trying to take a picture of it, and I just, it, I was like in awe of how badass this was, and I could not get, I just couldn't. I couldn't, I was having a breakdown, man. I could not get my shit to work. And then I like, I reached out to my Texas bros. And I was like, have you ever seen this? They were like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, this is, this is awesome. I was like, man, I thought, I thought that maybe like this, this was just a North Carolina thing. Like, oh my God, dude, this, this, this guy right here, this motherfucker, he, he knows the deal. Like he, he's this, this guy is cool, you know? <clears throat> oh my god oh man that was that dude legendary but they but like totally they gm i'm telling you any any people at gm that's listening to this podcast i'm sure there's all zero of you that are listening to this podcast right now but if if any of you are listening to this i'm telling you you need to bring back the s10 I'm just saying, if you brought There's probably back some the security S10, guard listening to this out one yeah. of the plants right now. But if they yeah. make the S10, they can't make it like Ford did the Ranger, where it's just like a little F-150. Dude, we had the like we had an F-1 S10 for like smaller. we had one for like 15 years. It's a good truck, man. My, my uncle still got one. It's like a fucking 1987 with the V8 in it. I don't know how it's still running. To be honest with you, I just you remember everyone way. that had one of those would just drive it like a bat out of hell. Like they would go yes. and <laughs> slamming it all. They're always manual, and you're just always in the back of it with like a bicycle or something trying to hold on for your dear life. Ironically, ours was a manual. <laughs> ours was a stick, and uh, yeah, yeah, they're only, they're still running yeah, yeah. based on hate. Dude, they I'll were they were great trucks, man. They were built what? like fucking tanks so that was, that was the redneck hilux man my old man yeah, had one that's right and his was a 97 and it was a five-speed manual and he traded that thing in in like 2010 and it still had the original clutch and everything because he actually knew how to drive he wasn't an animal yeah and the, Brian, the guy you him, find him. he's like <laughs> he's like how much are you looking to get for it he's like i don't know like 35 four grand or something he's like what he's like hold on i gotta go see this thing he's like what do you mean he's like i need to go see what a four grand s10 looks like and he goes out and sees it he's like oh shit this thing's actually in pretty good shape and he's like hey it's original clutch it's only got you know i can't remember how many miles it was but he actually took care of that thing me and my brother used to have to pilot it was a single cab and it was a stick shift so i'd have to have like my legs cocked over to the passenger seat yeah, and somebody's like getting stupid it. lap belt. Ours was like the cab and a half, and we had to get the kids back there. But I tell you, uh, <laughs> sh she bought that one new, and there was just something about a blonde woman driving an S10. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. Well, see, oh, that's, that's like, the thing, man. That's better than a champagne Corolla. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. 
Let me let me tell you, man. Let me tell you. So, so my my man Don Shift on Twitter, Don Shift, AmericanPartisan.org readers, long time. No Don Shift. Don Shift wrote Nuclear War Survival Manual and wrote the uh, wrote a bunch of other really awesome books. Poor Man's Air Force. This is his most recent one that's out there. Um, Awesome dude, right? Awesome dude, and um. He he's lived a very interesting life as a sheriff's deputy in Southern California. I think as any followers of his can attest, he, he's got some 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 interesting stories. But uh, he posted up a pic of a girl the other day, a uh, young lady, and um, you know she definitely she's wearing she's wearing a bikini top. You know, she's, she's not the, the most well-endowed lady in the world, but she's not bad. She's not, you know, it's, 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 she's, you know, it, it is. But he says, you know, she's, she's, she's attractive. But he's, he's got a picture of her in mid-spit, right? She's like, she's got a cigarette in her right hand. She's spitting oh, a loogie. I know which one you're talking about. That wasn't a cigarette. That was she's a black leading- and mild. Which made it even was better. it a black and mild? Oh, that's <laughs> black and mild. That's even better. Oh, that's even better. And I told him, I told him, bro, that's a racetrack ten right there. That is a 100%. racetrack ten. It, those of y'all that have never been to indie tracks, right? Like, like racing for out, like people outside of the the mid Atlantic, southeast United States, they don't really understand racing, and <clears throat> so like all they know is NASCAR and like okay, you know, like that, that is what it is. That's kind of like the WWE of pro wrestling. Like, but you, but that ain't the like the super trashy shit that you're gonna see. Like you you don't get the full experience. You go to a WWE wrestling show, like they got standards there. They got conduct of like you will do this, you ain't gonna do this. They got people that they ain't you like Nah, you ain't holding up that sign right there. Nah, you're not gonna do that. You're like they're checking people at the door, right? They do that shit at NASCAR tracks too. Well, short tracks though, indie tracks, dirt racing tracks, they don't do none of that shit. They let anybody in. And so you're talking about that's where the the real racing fans are out there, and it, it is so awesome, dude. Because that's where I love dirt you tracks. are getting. Hell yeah, you are getting the culture there. And now, Heater in the comments saying, does she have all her teeth? I don't know. I'd be willing to bet probably not. I mean, do you have probably all not her teeth? original ones? On. Who has all their teeth? I mean, Look. I got a dirt track by our cabin. I haven't been there in a while. Probably should go uh, again. You should go again, man. You should go again. And it's, I'm going to tell you, man, it's not a true dirt track unless they serve bologna burgers. They serve bologna Fried burgers. Bologna. <laughs> hey, yeah, of course. Yeah. It, of course, you take you take a loaf of bologna, you slice it thick, you put it on the fryer, right? You put it on that giant black stone, that giant griddle top. You fry it on both sides. It gets good and crispy. And you put that yellow mustard on there, and you put it on the cheapest bun possible with a piece of sliced American cheese, cheap as shit, too. Now, I'm telling you. Right there. Kind of hoping this is you the lunch menu on Thursday, it? right here. Is, is that yeah. what? Yeah. 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 <laughs> if you want to get all bougie with it, you can put ketchup on it. You know, you Heater, know, you, I want. Um, 
I'm just saying. I, I'm planning on the tooth <laughs> loss, right? I, I have all my teeth currently, but you know, if I get into a fight or there's this one that's been giving me a toothache, so I've kind of like been avoiding brushing it. So I'm like, if that one goes, I'm gonna get the gold tooth. I'm bringing it back. Yeah. I don't care. I'm looking no, forward please. to it. Yeah. See, these are life goals. These are life goals, right? I have access to Colgate, but sometimes I'm like, I want that tooth. It'll bring some street cred. His his front right incisor was a gold tooth, and he would show that thing off too. He'd be standing in front of formation. He would like he he would open his mouth like, yeah, hell yeah, you know, just like show that off. He's like, man, I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. I'm ghetto. My first, my first. <laughs> You're like no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea. <laughs> my first platoon sergeant had, no had a gold idea. tooth, and when we were deployed, like we noticed it obviously, like in garrison. But when we deployed, you know, like you start getting kind of tight with everybody. And man, yeah. he lifted up his shirt, and he had two flaming aces on his like like right nice. below his sternum and then on his side it said man i miss my dogs but it was d-a-w-g yeah from from, he was from louisiana though oh he's from louisiana oh shit no, no not mean. louisiana he's from louisiana 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 yeah Le- yeah it's, it's louisiana no he was a, not, he was a not louisiana louisiana no louisiana out in, out in the bayou. Miss my dogs. That, that's a Georgia yeah, thing. Man, man, I miss my dogs. <laughs> I had a squad leader, and he had a gold tooth, and he was all about it. But he yeah. wasn't a little on the wall. He was a guy who would just um, change units to go when they would deploy. And he was the first guy. I love this. He would ridicule people when they would get onto him. Um, he, he told this one guy, I think he told us. Yeah, he told him. I think he was an E5 that hit five in three years. And he told him straight, he's like, I've got more time in combat than you have in the entire army. He's like, get out of my oh, face. And I was yeah. like, oh, yes. and with the gold tooth and everything, just doesn't yes. care. Fuck yeah, I love that line. I'm like, yes. I love that yes. line, dude. We called him Steve-O. He wouldn't let us call him by his name and rank. He said, just call me Steve-O. We're in weapon squad with him. We're like, yes. Yeah. Drinking, uh, what was it? Um, What's the in the green bottle? Mickey's. The, Mickey's. No, 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 I the liquor. Mickey's. No, it's like uh, no, you keep it cold. What is it? Oh, gold. Oh, It's yeah, Jaeger. It's like licorice flavor. Jaeger. 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 He had a Jaeger machine all the time. Jaeger all the time. Steve-O. Yeah. Respect. Hope you're listening, Steve-O. Hell yeah! I used that line on a guy. Just for reaffirms my commitment to avoid weapon squad, dudes. I'm just saying. He was hardcore. I'll, My first squad that, leader in yeah. weapon squad was an outlaw biker. Hard, like, and I mean legit, he was an outlaw biker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah, th- those are the guys you want, though. Th- this is the thing, like, this is something that people don't understand, man. And and this is something that, like, all these news stories coming out, there was something that came out earlier today. I was busy as shit today, so I, it, like, I, I just kind of shared some stuff, and I really don't even remember what the fuck I was putting out, because I was just busy. But um, like the the DOD right? DOD is saying, "Oh, we're we're de- extremists in the ranks. We're gonna define it yet again." And they're like they put their definition out. Whatever, like, I right, motherfucker, what, whatever. Like, look, let me tell you something. This is how I know that y'all are not a serious organization 
because yesterday you had the Department of Defense spokesman, a retired rear admiral or vice admiral, whatever the fuck he was, Tony Kirby, right? Getting out there saying, like, jumping up and down like Nikita Khrushchev style on the podium saying, abortion is a right. Abortion is a right for our service members. And then and then they literally put out a statement that says that, that if you're uh, transgender, you're not going to deploy. Or you're pregnant and seeking an abortion, you're not going to deploy. But we've got women in all the, all, literally all of the combat units now, which is bullshit. I'm just going to want to say, I don't care. Like, what are you going to, you going to come after me? Fucking come after me. Fine. Fucking whatever. I got CV. I don't give a fuck. Like, I've done all the things. You can fucking come after me all you want. I don't give a fuck. I don't tell you in line. You all know that anyway. You can fucking cancel me if you want. Women don't belong combat arms units, period. Period. I fucking said it. I'm serious about it. So long as special operations either, unless they're there to be some sort of fucking honey trap. They don't belong there, man. So in 1989... In 1989, this, this, this one of the first women in combat was this Army MP captain. And she was going to get assigned to the Marine Task Force, but they were saying, you know, no women in combat. Well, we were in, been in active combat for days, and she threatens a lawsuit. They say, all right, fine, let her go. She stepped off the plane and got smoked by a sniper instantly. Um, bingo. There you have it. There you have it. Dude. But uh, yeah. on the outlaw biker thing, though, uh, let me just say from an MP perspective, I can't tell you the number of times we would get like a, a telex message from a civilian law enforcement agency somewhere in the country. It's like, hey, uh, you got a Sergeant John Smith or whatever. We we have a warrant for him for X, Y, and Z. And we'd be like, yeah, but since he's been in the military, he ain't done nothing. So yeah. we're not. Nah, man. <laughs> we cool just the way we are. Yeah, <laughs> those are the guys that are your war fighters, man. Yeah, yeah. Your, dude, let me tell you something, man. One of the most interesting conversations that I ever had, I was on my way out of the army at this point, but it was with a tattoo artist in El Paso, Texas. And this dude, you look at him, he had all the signs. He, he had a rough life, man. We were about the same age. At the time, like late twenties, dude had a rough life, and um, you know we we we're, we're sitting there, we're having a beer, and um, you know we're 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 kind of hanging out, and, and it was there. There were some circumstances that led to our meeting. I'm not I'm declining to get going to get into, but um, <clears throat> you know we're, we're sitting there, we're, we're hanging out, and a couple of his boys come in that uh, one of them was also a tattoo artist in the shop. And the other one was just, just the guy that was there. And I know why he was there. Like I know why he was there. He like, they, they're all, they're all part of this organization, right. That owns the shop that is running things. It's cash only enterprise. Like, you know, I, man, I, I know, like I grew up around all that stuff. I saw the signs, like, I, I know what it is. I fit in with those people, man. And so, you know, we're, we're sitting there, we're, we're bullshitting and we're talking a little bit. And, you know, he goes, he goes, ah, so, you know, man, and, and when his, his buddy sat down, like we were having a casual conversation when his buddy sat down, that was when he like kind of switched into a more serious gear. And he's like, oh, hey, you know, like, like, you know, you're a soldier. 
yeah, you know, you know, obviously you know that it's he's like, yeah, we're soldiers too. It's like, yeah, I mean, I know, you know, and it was it was that statement, and it was kind of this weird like we have this mutual respect, you know, this mutual respect back and forth, and it was just like. It was, it, it, and and when he when he was saying that it was kind of like how like I had just shook hands with this boy, I had just you know locked eyes with him, and we're sitting there and he sits down and we're having this conversation, and <clears throat> you know, all right, you know, and and that was his kind of his way of saying you know hey this this guy's done some shit. We've done some shit too, but this was kind of a handoff. So whenever you have a handoff from one person to another of, you know, in, in conversation or whatever it might be, you're introducing somebody, you don't necessarily have to rattle off their whole CV of like, oh, oh this guy's a badass guy. It's there's a lot of things that are kind of implicit that, that are implied. And that, that was one of those things. And that was, that was one of those times, man. And, um, for me, it was real reminiscent uh, of some other eras, like some things that, that I interactions I had had earlier in life. Um, you know, and, and, and I was, I don't know, but, but here's the deal, man. Those are the guys, those are the guys that you want to go to war with. And our military has been pushing out the United States military, like all the branches has been pushing out those guys for a long time now. Like they, they have made that environment very toxic to everybody for a long time now, pushing all like pushing everybody out. And those guys don't want to be part of that anymore. They're like, they're fucking, yeah, they, you know, what kind of serious organization has, has women as infantry? Then this is bullshit. And yeah, yeah. They're trying they're to push the, the, the men who fight with honor or, or fight for honor out yeah. and bring in people who are loyal to the regime. It's like somebody said to me right. once, well, all this trans right. stuff is just going to make, encourage people to be trans. Yeah. That's the point, right? Uh, they, they want you to be, be people towing that line and they want you to transition so you're not an alpha male and you're not the guys who saved the world from from nazism and saved it from communism right they don't want you to be that guy anymore so i think that the point you were making about the the, the guys being a different kind of warrior that goes back to like the history of warfare right so in the medieval times soldiers and, and, and warriors didn't fight for countries they fought for their lord their homeboy right their people Right, these these warrior bands kind of traveled around and attached to one guy, who then offered his services to different leaders, and that's kind of kind of how I view what you just talked about. Right, their their arena was different, but it was no less honorable and no less no less legit, if that makes sense. Probably, probably worse. Honestly, I mean, you know, being where that was, these guys were no doubt involved in some sort of cartel activity. We can see you're talking, but we've lost you. Are 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 can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, so you know, no doubt, if I had to guess, in that era, it was probably the Templars uh, out of Juarez. You know, kind of their their iconography that was tattooed on them was was kind of part and parcel of that. Um, You know, but I mean, here's the deal, man. Like, 
it, it's it's one of those things that um when when uh you know you like for for example and this is a real intangible thing i can't really think of exactly how to describe this but like when i've met vietnam vets for example that really did some serious shit in vietnam and i'll you know like like every so often i'll meet them in, in my day-to-day life i don't talk about nothing like this like all the stuff it, it's just like with, with you know all my online things i don't talk about a lot of things that i did all the time and i have people ask me about that like oh why don't you talk more about this because i don't give a fuck like i did that shit for me like it, you know i i'm not i don't need to sit there and tell you like all the things because that's the only guys that do that are are the guys that barely fucking made it through shit or like you know they i mean whatever man it doesn't that shit doesn't matter but when you when when you meet guys that've been through some real shit in their lives and you know you meet like you lock eyes on them y'all y'all meet you know and and you there's a look and you get it you know you get it and you understand what that is and and it transcends conflicts like doesn't matter what the conflict is it you know what whatever it was and that's why this is one of those things i think a lot of patriots out there um are having a hard time reconciling right now because and, and have been for about a decade maybe a little bit longer is there's a lot of lessons to be learned from the underworld from the the criminal underclass out there that that exists that these guys are they're stuck in this mindset of like you know well well we we don't do that and we don't do this and we didn't it's just like look man you know like you got to have some skin in the game and there's gonna have to be at some point some people that you got to work with that maybe your morals don't necessarily jive with theirs, but that's just the way that it's got to be. You know, th- this is one of those things that, like, they broached that topic in in uh, Robin Sage with with the uh, candidates, the SF candidates that are going through that. Um, you know, that's just one of those things, man. Like, you you have you have got to break out of, of a certain style of thinking because not everything is cut and dry like not everything is is you know hey we're all oh you know we're all captain america and we're all like nah man people people don't join revolutionary movements or counter revolutions because they're all squeaky clean they're fucking criminals man like they push out all the alpha males like all the guys that i serve with and granted it is a time thing right a lot of them retired out or whatever but yeah a lot of these people are not joining the military like i have a perfect anecdote for this and i'm not going to say their names but there were these two guys in my platoon and they were very intimidating large individuals two old country white boys and they were older than most of you know most of these guys are young enlisted dudes in, a, in an infantry company and these guys were in their mid-20s right it's like oh these are old dudes and they would yeah. get rowdy and yeah. we're doing combatives all the time and they're in shape maxing out pt tests and everything and uh you know they're the guys who like to fight and so this one weekend uh we come back or excuse me this one monday we were up at formation 
and they come moseying along in with black eyes. And we're like, what happened? But these guys are like beloved by the, the company. So no one's like getting too worked up about it. Come to find out over the weekend, I don't remember where it was. I think it was Kansas or Kentucky. They went up drinking, just drove up there randomly, drove back. Like they had just gotten back, right? Changed clothes, went to formation Monday morning, like didn't sleep. And uh, they got in an altercation. That, like maybe it was the, I think it was lacrosse team at their like frat house. And they just beat the shit out of all of them. Just two of them against everyone there. And we didn't believe them until... It came out like we saw a story. We looked it up and uh, the, yeah, and they didn't get in trouble because they just left. <laughs> um, they were in the back of a truck and they just reached and had like a pipe and they were just playing like King of the Hill. And these dudes were trying to get up and they were just popping them back down and they won. This was like a whole lacrosse team, division one lacrosse team. And these dudes are just out and these guys are squeaky clean guys. And these are alpha males, and they're not getting into trouble. They're going out. You know, they might get yeah. drinking, get in a fight here and there. But those guys aren't joining anymore. So you don't have the outlaws. You don't have the dudes who are athletes and good old good old country boys that will beat your ass, right? <laughs> you don't get that as much anymore, and that's not good. I don't think people realize – the people who talk about this, they've never been into a fight or been around some rowdy big old country boys. Um. We need those individuals in our military at the front line. Yeah. And they've worked hard to push those dudes out, man. Exactly. Yes. Those guys, I mean, seriously, they're not joining. They, they're, they're not. Like, they, they, if that's what the whole, like, last Thursday, that's what we were talking about in depth was those guys are not going back in. Like, they, they're not. They, they can't replenish the, the numbers that, that they're losing right now and have been losing over the past several years. They ain't going to replace them. Like, so what do you do? You know, what do you do? We're, we're in a real bad way, man. We're in a real bad way. And, and I'm sorry, like, Jenny has two mommies, ain't recruiting your fucking pipe hitters. Like, nah, I'm sorry. Shit's not happening. Doesn't fucking work. I hate to burst anybody's bubble out there, but you know what, motherfuckers? You need your bubble burst because you need your ass kicked once or twice to realize that shit doesn't work. We're fixing, as a nation, we're fixing to get our ass kicked because we've been fucking around in other people's yards and they don't like it. And I'm telling you, the big-ass fucking hard country dudes who actually know how to fight have been the backbone of America's defense for a long time now. The rest of the world is looking at it like, you know what? Y'all are running all them off. They see that. That's why the Chinese and the Russians run the recruiting ads they do, where they, they want alpha males, they you know, pride of the nation, nationalism, all that stuff, right? That's the reason that they're doing all that. Because they see, they they're like, man, what the fuck are they doing? Like they they they're looking at it like you people are committing suicide, literally committing cultural suicide. Now they're aiding in it. Let's let's not get it twisted. They're aiding in it, but our Politburo is a willing accomplice to it all. And what we're seeing is you know, and everybody by the way wants to, uh, you know, they, they all want to find conspiracy and everything. They want to have an explanation for everything. Right. And they think that, you know, they, they'll either say, depending on what side of the, the paradigm they're on, you know, oh, well, it's all good, uh, put together from the top or, you know, what? Nice. It's not, man. Your enemies are going to take advantage of the situation. 
They're going to take advantage of the situation. That's exactly what they're doing. They're doing that right now. Okay, they're doing that right now because American culture is fucking weak. All right, it's weak sauce. It's been weak sauce for a while. We just lost two big-ass wars, man. We lost two big-ass wars. Iraq, Afghanistan. No consequences. Same people were in charge of one, were in charge of the other. Zero consequences. And those wars you don't think were that they lost. Realized that? Those wars were not lost because of a lack of effort from soldiers. Exactly. That was total top down. Like I, man, I was in for seven years. I met some hard motherfuckers when I was in, and yeah. um, like you guys met me. I'm like, I definitely bigger than average American, but like, I've met some big scary motherfuckers that have bona fides of killing a lot of people and they didn't really seem to be bothered a whole lot by it either so like that whole that whole class yeah has been totally um booted out of the military they've just been pissed off and like i mean we've said it before when i was in getting out that whole seven years it was like all the good ncos everywhere i was like every time i met a good nco i'm like oh sorry you're gonna re-enlist he's like fuck no nope no it wasn't even a no. It was a fuck no every time. I was about to say that. It's never a no. It's always a fuck no. <laughs> it's always a fuck no. Never just a normal no. And it sucked because those are all the guys where I'm like, damn, dude, like, you know, if I had this guy doing all my paperwork <laughs> with me, like, I'd probably be in a lot better spot in the army. But I got all these shit bags that just don't care. And they're just riding it out because they get a paycheck. And their uh the dependopotamus wife gets to spend their whole paycheck, so you know they're gonna re-enlist. Well, it all starts when it's they stop taking the, the whole shit that matters spots. seriously and they start interjecting death by PowerPoint and safety briefs out the ass and not letting you go do your job. Like I don't think any very few people that I know in the military dislike the military when they're getting to do their job. Yeah, it might suck or whatever, but it's like, that's what we're here to do. It's all the other bullshit day to day, just keeping you here until five or six. Why? For no reason. For no reason at all. Just because that's what we do. And that's just what we're going to keep. I think that the woke trans military is also going to cause the extinction of the dependipotamus. If everyone is trans, if everyone is trans, there will be no one for the dependipotamus to attach to. I don't know. I like no, the dependipotamus because it's gender neutral. They are the dependent. 15 minutes. 15 minutes left. 15 minutes. 15 (laughs) minutes left. Time to dive into the goings on in the Black Sea. Uh, The Port of Odessa. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Let's dive into that. So, all right. Who's that one guy who keeps saying that they got a bunch of Marines they haven't used yet? Who is that guy? Yeah. I think that guy is talking. I think he's in the room right now. He's been yeah. right. He's been right. Uh, I think they're prepping Odessa for a little visit. I, I do. I think so. Um, so, Russia, in case you missed it, Russia has, uh, the Russian Navy in particular, has made an announcement saying that they are blockading grain shipments coming out of Ukraine. 
And of course, the West is making this whole, you know, oh, well, but what about starving children in Africa? Neglecting, there's something very important here. They're neglecting the fact that Africa is well under the dominion of both China, primarily, and Russia. The United States has a very minimal presence there. Uh, Very minimal. And anybody that's actually had boots on the ground in Africa knows this. Uh, China, in particular, has has a very strong presence there and owns most of sub-Saharan Africa. They actually own it. Yes, O-W-N, own it. Okay. Um, So, with that said, uh, the grain shipments that are coming out of there are actually meant to go to other places. That's, uh, it's mostly getting States. dumped in the U.S. and Poland, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. So the Russian Navy is saying anything that's coming out of there is going to get blown up. And Ukraine, it's important to remember, too, that Ukraine, the NAFO crowd, uh, already planted sea mines all over that region and said that, that you know, in case any... Uh, any attempt of a Russian Navy blockade, the evil Russians, they'll get blown up. The Russian Navy will get blown up. Well, now, of course, they flip the script because this is what they always do. You say, oh, well, the Russians planted those mines. Now, uh, a hole is a hole is a hole, right? As if the Russians don't so have anyway, minesweeper ships, right? No, not at all. They're made out of wood. Gentlemen. Your thoughts on this and uh, where you think this is going to go in the next, uh, let's say, the next seven days. Um, I think Stan pointed something out over on Twitter a minute ago that we have Iran effectively running a blockade at the Strait of Hormuz, and we have Russia running a blockade. What's the over-under on China deciding it's time for a blockade? But I'm going to say, as I always do, that blockades are also useful for hiding movement. So I would, uh, I would anticipate seeing some sort of an amphibious landing somewhere along that coast. I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on this yet. Um, I honestly, I look at the incident with Iran and that blockade as more of a thing that our military is going to move on. I only say that because they've been, you know, the, the deep state, if you will, has been talking about Iran for a long time. And I, I really see us using all those weapons and shit that we left in Afghanistan uh, to fight that proxy war for us. And we need a reason to get involved. And this would be the perfect time. I don't know shit about what's going on. It's all fucked. I think so is his internet connection again. And no. Oh, no, you're right good. Here. Okay, sorry. You know, Just let I mean, you roll with it. Blockades are never a good thing. Uh, embargoes, blockades, things like that have led to catastrophes in the past. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a statement. Quite just, a statement. Just saying. 
Just, just saying. And an actual um, history that's lesson. a perfect but reason actually, to look over that way. Like, don't look here at all the stuff going on in your own country in the Republic uh, Day Banana. So I think um, the point about them moving supplies, good, good uh, reason to cover movement. That is critical, right there. Um, Iran making movements in the Strait of Hormuz eh, looks awful lot like a like an ambush to me. I don't know. I would uh, Strait of Hormuz is a, a really good place to execute a naval ambush. Um, and I will remind you that the uh, the Swift Boat Navy got some of their boats took there under Obama. Um, you know, you can go back and, and look up the video of that, of the Iranian uh, Revolutionary Guard Navy, uh, their naval forces, taking uh, some Navy swift boats and some sailors hostage for a little while. So you can go back and look at that. Um, I'll be I honest. Really don't think I feel that this the 26th MEU is on the way there right now, the Bataan group. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's 4,000 Marines. Um, first of all, that's the wrong force for the Straits of Hormuz. There's not a lot of land to deal with. Right. And you're not going to use Marines to board ships. You would use seals or something else. Uh, so that's it's kind of interesting that they're sending Marines to that particular conflict. Um, but it troubles me. I hate feeling this way. But, man, if I was a government who wanted a reason to go to war with Iran, a whole lot of dead Marines trying to transit the, the, the Straits of Hormuz is a great way to get what I want. So I hate having that thought, but uh, but it's there. In this administration, I put nothing beyond them. Well, the problem is, is who are they replacing them with? I mean, like, I'm not, I, and, and believe me, I'm not saying you're wrong. This demented crowd that's running things, I don't put a damn thing past them. They're batshit crazy. They're drunk on power. They think they can get away with anything. And the truth is, is that, that they have never accomplished shit. Mark Milley has never accomplished shit. Like in, in the real big picture of things. Oh, and I know I'm just shaking in my boots that his uh, security detail is going to come hunt me down. Right? Yeah. Well, let me remind you motherfuckers, because I'm sure you'll listen to this. Uh, and I know you already heard it because you got the video taken down off of YouTube. I've got his honors thesis from Princeton sitting right here. It is sitting right here. Come on. Come on over. Please. Please, let's do this. Let's do this. Right? I've got it. I've got it. And you know who else has it? Some other interesting journalists in the media also have it that are pretty well-known and in pretty significant place where they will put it out there. Okay? You do whatever you think you need to do. Just know, I'm sure you've probably already seen my qualifications, right? So you know what you're coming up against. That's fine, right? So let's talk about something. Uh, these these people never... So talking about going to war in Iran, right? You talk about going to war in Afghanistan was difficult. Iran, holy shit. Like, really? That you you want to go to war in Iran? Um 
We didn't win in Iraq. I, I, Iran we is like taking Iraq and Afghanistan and slamming them together. And that's put them together. That's what you get. That's what you get. These people really think that they, they can do, they can prosecute a war. <laughs> really? Really? Because the rest of the world is laughing at them too. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. Um, Mm. I, I mean, I agree with you that that four thousand Marines headed to uh, the Strait of Hormuz is one hell of a target. That's a real lucrative target. Just sitting right out there in the open, man. And I mean, you're you're playing on their home. And, and there is zero zero anti air on a uh, in an amphibious ready group other than the embarked Marines themselves. Like seriously, if you think you're under air threat. Yeah. You pull Avenger vehicles out of the well deck and you put them on the deck. That that's what they do. Wow, I did not know that. Like, well, the anti-air is supposed to come from the escorts, right? Yeah, yeah, um, I was going to say it's supposed to come from. The, the but as you're circling, as you're coming through constricted waterways like the Strait of Hormuz, you can't do that. You have to spread out in the line. Yeah. So. You're, you're reliant upon your embarked troops for what you have for air. Oh. Spend wow. a day or two looking skyward from, from the bridge wing, right? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've never been there, so I, I, don't, I don't know anything about it. I'm speaking strictly from ignorance. Wow, dude. And there. Ooh. Ooh-wee. Uh, not good. Not painting a good picture. Not at all. Not at all. Holy shit, man! And they're gonna they're gonna park an LSA right there, right? The yep. Yep. The baton, uh, the Mesa Verde, and one other. Yep. But the the baton is the biggest one. Yep. This is why when we actually fought the Iranians in 87, we didn't stay on the amphibious ready group. They took over an old abandoned super tanker and yeah. put a bunch of uh, put a bunch of anti-aircraft, you know, man pads all over it. Uh, and we used that as a sea base. So hmm. interesting. And I'll tell you what. We got an uphill battle, and you know, unlike 1987, where we actually had competent generals, and we had generals who, you know, we we had military leadership and politicians that believed in America and were pro-America. We ain't got that now, right? The people that are going to be prosecuting these wars, they're only looking for profit. Period. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that is the only thing that they give a shit about. It's profit, um, and and this is this is really, really sad. Um, yeah, we're we're in a bad way. We're in a very very bad way. Anyhow, with two minutes left on the clock, man, man, actual, we have got the tactical signals exploitation course coming up just in a couple of weeks, brother. You want to speak a few words to that before we punch out? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, quick down and dirty. 
Um, we're going to be kind of expanding on the second class that Scal teaches, um, getting into kind of reporting and organization of SIGIN shops and doing more direction finding. Uh, it's going to be building blocks. You know, we're going to do some classroom instruction, go to a practical, go back in, you know, obviously get a, give ourselves a few minutes to cool down because it's probably going to be hot as shit. Um, and then, yeah, keep doing instruction, go out for a practical, kind of include the prior instruction in the new practical and, and kind of go from there. And then uh, Sunday's pretty much capstone or crucible, whatever you want to call it, uh, FTX field training, um, kind of putting it all together in one big thing. So nothing crazy, nothing fancy, just uh, the advanced basics. More basics. Yeah. More basics than you got before. Um, yeah. Because the cool guys are cool guys because they just are really, really good at the basics, which is why they make dumb shit up and sell you things on YouTube. <laughs> you got to flick it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, King Picks. Shout man. out. <laughs> Shout out to King Picks Media, man. Dude, I told him earlier today, is like, you, so you are an American treasure. <laughs> he is. God gets it, man. When the he mag gets... sticks, give it a flick. <laughs> I love how he's, he's just, he always is talking like he's got this giant dip in his mouth. Too. He's just. Oh, yeah. Man. It's like, oh, I'm in a, I'm in a group chat with him, and he is just awesome. Oh my god! The, the difference between him, like Dugan Ashley, Dugan Ashley was was a master at that. But you knew you like with Dugan, you knew that he was just being a clown. Like you can watch King Picks and be like, "This motherfucker is is being serious." It's the same. Like picture. that's the best kind of comedy. Yeah, when when you don't know the difference, when you're like. That's the best kind of comedy right there. It's like Keo like, Vaughn. He, he's, he's, yeah, he's he's speaking some truth, bro. You know, it's it making making fun of some he's making fun of some people in, in the firearms industry that, that honestly need to be made fun of. Uh they they need to be made you fun of. You just gotta punch out and go to work. Yeah. Just got just gotta punch out, go to work. Just gotta punch out. Like you see my 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 pistol. Don't don't have a front sight. Don't have a front sight post because you just punch out. Right? Like that's I know I know exactly who he's talking about with that. But um anyway, we'll save that one for another day. It is a last call. I'm getting the last call warning. So last call for alcohol. Tonight's episode of Sons of Liberty. Radio Contra, live on the air, is brought to you in major part by Brushbeater.store. Got a bunch of new products in stock over there, definitely. Uh, that is my store. The uh, products are packed up by me and my family members and sent out to you with lightning fast shipping, as well as course enrollments. They're all handled over there. And I've got a lot of bunch, uh, bunch of and a lot of new products that are up, such as Zygu X6100, uh, which I'm really, really happy with and proud to uh, be offering to all of you out there and a bunch of new stuff in stock. Anyway, with that said, folks, God bless. 
Stay dangerous for this next week. Keep your head on a swivel, and I'll be talking to you again very, very soon. For the whole crew here at Sons of Liberty Live, last call for alcohol. We'll be talking to you again very soon. Sensi Scout.